Could you give us some of your political beliefs? Kill everyone now. Condone first-degree murder. Advocate cannibalism. Eat shit. Hey, welcome back to Queer Horror Cult. Uh, today in the studio we have Elon Musk to tell us about his new plans for the purge, as he smokes all of our weed. <laughs> Asshole. He's smoking all our weed and then planning a giant purge mobile torpedo. Submarine. Submarine. It'll have torpedoes. It will. Why did I say torpedo? It's just, it's shaped like a torpedo. And um, there, there's a metaphor in there somewhere. Yeah, let's get Freud in here. Yeah. No, we don't have Elon Musk in the studio, thank fuck. Thank um, but we do have ourselves, Lori and Arya, and we're back talking about horror shit. Yes. Yeah, so you want to buckle down with... Uh, jump clowns. right into it? <laughs> yeah, buckle down with these clowns, <laughs> and we'll jump right into it with our recommendations from last week. Yeah. Okay, you recommended to me Jennifer's Body. I did. And we rewatched it. Mm-hmm. Um, it had been, I'd only seen it the once and it had been years. I think it's, it might have only been like a year or two. Really? I okay. think it has, I think it really has Then been I just that didn't long. remember the movie very well, but either way, it was fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Very much enjoyed it again, and I see why uh, you pointed towards Jessica, Jessica, Jesus Christ, Jennifer, <laughs> as a precursor for the Dirtbag Diva. Mm-hmm. Because she's, yeah, she still has, um, a bit of that, like, she's perfect in every way kind of thing going yeah. on, but at the same time, kind of like we were discussing with Tragedy Girls, I think with, um, Diablo Cody writing that and everything did a really great job of exaggerating that whole stereotype of teenage girls being totally self-absorbed and cruel and stuff and is like oh teenage girls are evil i'm gonna give you a literal demon uh, who happens to be in high school like it is it's funny how it, they, it was good fun yeah, and there was plenty of dirtbag dialogue in there absolutely. too so that made me that made my day yeah that's that's a fun movie and just yeah the more distance you have from i think the 2000s but having lived through it it's the, the more it's just like holy shit what a period piece yeah it just it came shit. out too it came too soon yeah. So yeah, the world I wonder, wasn't ready for it at the time. I wonder if anyone listening to this uh, gave it a rewatch or has mm. been thinking about that one. Uh, has your opinions changed since it first came out? Yeah, because I, I, I like I liked it when it came yeah. out, but not as much as I, I think I like it now. I didn't, didn't, I didn't see it, it when it first came out, and I kind of avoided it because I heard it sucked. Mm. And then it's one of those things that, you know, you said it was good, so I'm like, okay, I'll give it a go, and yeah. <laughs> it was great. It was excellent, <laughs> I yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and then you recommended May. Ah, uh, yes. The lovely May. Because we haven't seen that enough times. Oh, no. Of course not. I said that sarcastically. Like... <laughs> you can't not see it a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I get something different from it every time I see it, though, mm-hmm. which is nice. To have, but yeah, that's a long-time favorite. I think that was one of the first ones we yeah. watched together when we met within that first sort of like month or so of hanging out. 
Well, one thing that really stood out to me this time was uh, Anna Ferris as like the most outrageous flirt ever <laughs> to the point that it's like, is this me in junior high with how awkward her, her attempts are <laughs> Just at times? Just all that confidence? Yeah, yeah, minus the confidence. My takeaway from it this time was that it was interesting seeing, I feel bad saying this, but like almost the portrayal of kind of like Pauline, someone who people see as like unlovable. Mm-hmm. Almost like beginning with her, her family and her, you get the sense that her, her mom, I don't know, I remember kind of saying this after where a lot of the times we see this sort of, these like down on their luck, lovelorn dudes and we're like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, we feel so bad for them. He's such a nice guy. He just, some woman has to give him a chance and you don't really see that with women. You get more of that whole, he's just not that into you and like, yeah. look at this stupid woman who's going after this guy that's totally out of her league. It's always that the woman has to change. Yeah. Because the man's not. And she doesn't change and, or, well, she doesn't change in the way that I would say she doubles down on uh, the object. And and it really, yeah, goes that idea of if, if you can't find someone, find friends, I guess I say, but even find someone that loves you, then, you know, make your own someone. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a great movie. I love it. Yeah. Glad I got to see it again. Highly recommended. Mm-hmm. Well, we were just zipping through this today. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Shall we dive right into the main topic of the day? I suppose. Yeah, all right. As you may have guessed, um, we are talking about The Purge. Oh, Yeah. The movies, the TV series. Yeah, with the uh, TV series before. wrapping up last week, feels mm-hmm. like it's time to give it a give it a looking over. Yeah, because I, I feel like I don't see very many people talking about it, so it makes me wonder if it's actually as like underrated as I feel it is, or if I'm just looking in the wrong places and there are actually people having like great in depth discussions about of Purge. Both, because yeah. I, I see a bunch about it, but I don't see as much in depth. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there are people out there, yeah. but from our exposure, I know that I'm seeing, it gets talked about a lot, but it's more just, these movies are better than they get credit for. Mm-hmm. That's like sort of the extent of discussion I it's see on them. It's level? Yeah. Fair enough. Because I agree, they are way better than, like, I, I remember when the first bird came out and I posted in my Instagram story, like, oh my god, everyone go see this, it's so good. And I just got some messages being like, really? Yeah, right, right. Really? <laughs> I'm like yes, like y'all. It's amazing. Y'all don't appreciate satire. Yeah, they just they just keep getting better and better. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're a great series. I think it's well. I've mentioned this before. I'm not on here, but I've mentioned it to people before. Like I think it's re- really tends to be overlooked as far as being what I would say is one of the smartest and currently most politically relevant um, explorations of power and just how it functions in North America, really throughout society and in politics and it's it's so smart and so insightful and if you really like look if, you, if you're looking for it I, I find it funny that it gets uh overlooked too because you don't have to look deep to see the parallels like they, really they wear don't. it they on its surface slap you it's, over the face with them sometimes it, it's not subtle it's really not <laughs> but it, that, i guess that's kind of the depressing thing because you know, Winda's reality seems subtle these days honestly <laughs> For real, though, it, yeah, that's a valid question. Yeah, because I and it's, it's so funny because I remember seeing the ads for the the very first movie, just The Purge, when they came, you know, when that came out, however few years ago, and I remember seeing the commercials and being like, 
what a ridiculous concept. Like, mm-hmm. as if that would ever happen. That's so goofy. Like, wow, they're really, like, stretching for ideas these days well, and it's stuff. It's funny because I heard the concept and thought, oh, that's something I'd like to see. But then I heard mostly negative stuff right. about it. So I kind of, uh, maybe it was the circles I was swimming in. I don't know. But, I, I mean, fair enough. Because, like, out of all of the Purge movies, the first one is definitely, like, the lowest on my list. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it does a good job of setting up sort of the the universe in yeah. which the, the Purge takes place and everything. But it really plays more like a home invasion flick it does, than uh, and the other yeah. ones do. Yeah, and it doesn't get into... I mean, I, I guess looking back, it does. It definitely sets the stage for some of the political right. tones and stuff, which I'll talk about, but it's it's not as explicit with it. Well, I guess, yeah, seeing it in this sort of white-gated community mm-hmm. kind of vibe that we're getting from it the politics and the ruthlessness of the politics aren't as in your face. Yeah. Um, it takes that interloper into the house for those people to come and say, we just want the person in your house. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's how it goes down, right? Yeah, it's the, kid been a lets, while. the kid lets in the, uh, like, presumably, like, Ivy League frat kids are, like, hunting down this, uh, I think, homeless man. Yeah. And the, um, one of the kids in the home sees him and, and you know, opens up the pur- the purge security yeah. shield thing on the house, lets him in, and then, yeah, these kids are threatening, with all of their artillery and weapon, like, all this ridiculous stuff, I think they're threatened to, like, so, you know, saw, basically, we're gonna come into the house if you don't give them to us. Yeah. Because you are also white, upper-class, rich people, we won't harm you if you hand him back to us, right. but if you insist on protecting him, we'll take out all of you right. and... So the motivation is very purge. It very fits mm-hmm. into this politics, even if the structure is a little more mm-hmm. home invasion. Yeah. I remember first seeing ads, it kind of equated it to the strangers in my mind a little bit with the masks and stuff like mm. that. But then the uh, idea of like purge masks and purge costumes yeah. just kind of took a life of its own. It really did, yeah. And then later on with um, like the first purge and stuff sort of trying to establish when that started. Like, oh, there's, there's some people wearing masks. I wonder what that's about and how mm-hmm. it sort of became a new American tradition or whatever is part of the whole right to purge. You gotta love it. It's like, it's legal now to like murder people, but you don't want people to actually know that you're partaking while partaking. (laughs) So you need the anonymity. Mm -hmm. You need this like character that you're playing. Even though these people are often yelling about how it's like, it's my right to purge. It's legal. It's the way America's made and is great. And then they only reveal their faces to the people they're planning on killing at best, like, mm-hmm. immediately. Um, otherwise, they're going through the streets with their masks on there. Yeah, it very, has a very, like, carnival vibe to it. Yeah. That whole oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, looking... Going Do you want to go right? into that a little bit? Maybe, case? yeah, I just kind of made that connection now, yeah. honestly. But, well, yeah, the, the history of it where it's this idea where in the Middle Ages or whatever, the, the one night that everyone can let loose and, and sin, essentially, and... Um, yeah, so everyone covers up their faces so nobody knows who's who. Everyone can kind of do their own thing, and okay, there's not really any consequences. But yeah, that's that, uh, just made that connection now, so yeah. that's, that's a good one. Because yeah, this is that idea that it's, there's no consequences that, for that, those 12 hours, so, huh. But beyond the first one, with the uh, politics very much being sort of left to the background, still there, but not necessarily the plot's focus as as much as uh, backgrounding the plot, mm-hmm. uh, it definitely took off in the sequels. It, oh, it's yeah. really in your face. <laughs> it really is, yeah. Because 
Yeah, but the first one, you get that sort of sense with the group that's explicitly set up as, like, the bad guy, or the groups, I guess, there are a couple of them. The people who are, you know, willingly and glad- gladly taking part in their, their right as Americans to purge, mm-hmm. and who exactly they are purging, and you just get this sense of that sort of almost, like, comically evil rich people kind of thing. Yeah. Because the, the, the family that we focus on, the sort of the heroes, I guess, or the protagonists... Um, they are that sort of like silent, neutral, but complicit kind of party in it because they, they put out the flowers because they want to signal to everybody that they, they accept the purge and they respect it and they understand why it's necessary, but they really separate themselves from it, but are still putting on, putting out these little like signals and stuff to everyone else. It's like, but we're totally in on it. But, yeah. you know, morally, they're like, no, this, we, we don't want it. So it's, it's that, like, push and pull. That public image versus. Yeah. Uh, and willing to be complicit in it to, for that public image. Then we move out of the suburbs and into the cities for the other Purge movies. And you start to see what the Purge is really about and what the real purpose of it is. And that is to essentially ethnically cleanse low-income primarily black and Latino neighborhoods Mm -hmm. of quote unquote undesirable people Mm -hmm. that are in the, you know, dominant primarily white imaginary associated with crime and with poverty and all of these things that are undesirable in society. I really loved the swing in protagonists like Mm -hmm. immediately, like the first one, it felt fairly typical but I guess like, I but I think that with who the it was is, it was but... definitely smart because the villain mm-hmm. were even whiter bread they were even yeah, waspier exactly and <laughs> it was them making the moral decision to stand up for the person of color yeah um so that was definitely there but now seeing in full fledged strong protagonists and a focus on communities and people that aren't white mm-hmm. it was great how they just dove right into that yeah, right the off the bat people who realistically would be if the purge was put into effect, even if it wasn't done as a cover for the government to, you know, take out entire neighborhoods of people, these are still the people that would be most pr- profoundly affected by it. Because if you they look even at, say it in the movie, they, they do, they, yeah, because they even, don't hide it exactly. Because like if you look at just the statistics of violence today and who is most likely compared relative to other groups to be victims of violent crimes, that's exactly what would happen. So it's realistic, a hundred percent. And yeah, seeing that the difference in the suburban setting where they really isolate themselves versus in these urban settings where you have these, you always have these groups of people or individuals that happen, you know, they run into each other by chance and some of them have no intention of working with other people or helping other people, but they end up sticking together and working together for mutual survival. Gotta love the community aspect. Yeah, the community and just that, that like interdependence with one another because so much of the purge rhetoric is this radical individualism. Yeah. And it is my right. It is Set my in right. Singular. As yeah. To purge. And even that, um, I can't think of his name, but the guy in the TV show who was kidnapping everyone who worked at the factory. Oh, the, the, the dude driving around picking yeah. people up. Listening I, to I the, to like the, the motivational speaker. Yeah. 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 He's talking about, oh, he's rehashing yeah. all of these things that you hear about. He's, he's telling like the, the black businesswoman, like you're, you're choosing to be a victim. You're making a victim out of yourself while he's literally doing that to himself to justify his right to purge. And like, it's. And then the whole, <laughs> the, oh my God, the, just as a, a slight sidebar that flashbacks to their 
date. Mm-hmm. That was just brutally painful, yeah. especially seeing how but he's he, the victim. he didn't think that he was wrong for being so blatantly racist so exactly. frequently. And she respectfully just left, like, but yeah, she, she, she humiliated him. And I felt like she, she dealt with him with kids gloves more than he deserved. And more yeah, than she he seemed to let with on. so much grace and patience and just like took the high road and, you know, look what it got her. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, there's just this almost with the way the purgers, it's almost like they, they've taken this idea of the American dream and just radicalized it so much to this, like, not only got mine, fuck you, but got mine, fuck you. Or got mine at your expense, fuck you. I was, it was, I can't remember, it was one of my courses I took recently in my degree. Uh, the textbook was talking about sort of different kind of common viewpoints of humanity or whatever being like essentially good or essentially bad. And um, they mentioned the sort of North American model where human beings are kind of viewed as essentially evil, but also perfectible. Mm-hmm. And this sense that, yeah, it's just, it's an, our natural right to just be individual, you know, this sort of pretty much radical individualists that mm-hmm. if put in the right situation, will kill everybody to benefit only ourselves and just disregards all these different models around the world of community, of interdependence, of just, it's interesting to say well, the least. It, it's also uh, that notion that for so many of these people, the logical extension of being a human being unfettered by any law is to become the most egregiously violent, mm-hmm. ruthless person you can in the name of your own self-interest. And I mean, they make a point of this mm-hmm. in it, but that's terrifying. Yeah. But they do it because they, they, they purge because it cleanses them and it makes them better. So it's that idea of like, well, I'm inherently evil, but I can be perfected right. if I fulfill my right to purge. And then a minute ago there, you mentioned how that sort of capitalist ideology kind of underlies it or ties in. And um, yeah, I think that's one place where, again, looking back at the first movie, I think it makes some really kind of interesting points if you look for them. Mm -hmm. And it has this, I mean, the whole series as it's grown has this very cynical view of capitalism and the profit, specifically the profit motive Mm -hmm. under this idea that like, you know, it, it is good, justifiable and best for humanity if we are primarily motivated by making more money right you see that in the first movie with this sort of like purge industrial complex of <laughs> these massive multi you know tens of thousands of dollars security systems yeah you see a lot of rhetoric throughout how the purge makes everybody equal because everybody has the right but realistically who is more likely to be killed or tortured or maimed. Yeah, it makes everyone equal, except especially the guy who can afford to buy a tank over everyone else's Exactly, yeah. Or who so can equal. afford to just armor that, you know, turn their entire house into a temporary fortress that is virtually impenetrable. Well, you can just kind of look at uh, the boss in... Um, Jane's boss in the Purge TV show. Mm-hmm. He has that fortress built up, and he can live out his fucked up fantasies yeah. uh, for during the purge in his own way in and he, he home, seems yeah. untouchable in his mm-hmm. mind he is and yeah. that's kind of what we're getting the image we get at the start like it seems he is unstoppable mm-hmm. exactly but and um in what is it the purge anarchy so it's the second one you get that character of Carmelo who's that sort of Malcolm X type figure yes oh yeah where you start getting the anti-NFFA factions and anti-purge people, activists. And, um, yeah, I wrote down a, a, a quotation here from him about uh, we how the purge... Because he, he's... Um, 
sort of pontificating on on t on his illegal tv channel or whatever that's broadcasting and uh he mentions we need to stop the purge because we need to stop the redistribution of wealth up upwards with killing and oh, focusing man. yeah not on that on that economic aspect where of course the purge stimulates the economy because as you pointed out with if when you have privatized healthcare then right yeah. yeah that's a big one you have the cleanup crews you have the security systems you have all of these things that yeah a lot of people are going to make a lot of money yeah. in the aftermath and the, the weapons and manufacturers then of, course, of course what are they going to do they're going to be like oh the purge is job creators think of all the construction crews exactly. that have to fix the buildings and roads and exactly. it's just, yeah it's a, it's like it's a, sense, that, a very cynical view but it's it i mean of that honestly sort of like reaganistic trickle down mm-hmm. kind of thing but you know through murder and destruction yeah one of the things that I, I'm I'm curious about how this would work in the in the sort of purge universe, you know, mm-hmm. hypothetically if this were to happen, because it really does, ideologically it does not seem like a far stretch. Okay. Using the purge as a cover to ex- get rid of these the who the people who are deemed as un- undesirable or as like this refuse of society. You mean kind of like a eugenics project? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. This like ethnic cleansing of. Because um, I mean, it feels like that is touched on in the movies to an extent. Yes. Um, but what I'm... Or sorry, did you want to... Oh, I was just going to say, it, it seems very much stuck in a, a class kind of system mm-hmm. where, you know, we're going to go through and sweep out the poor neighborhoods. Yeah, and by extension of that, of course, yeah. it is targeting disenfranchised people, including people of color and yeah. other marginalized groups because, you know, like, they're all interrelated. You, yeah, interlocking systems of oppression. Yeah. It's like sociology 101. But um, for in order for this to function, I wonder what would be the state of the prison industrial complex... Oh, interesting. Yeah, because as of now, if you look at um, people like Angela Davis and uh, thinkers and activists behind like prison abolition yes. and whatnot, their argument is that the introduction of prisons replaced slavery as a means of basically like rounding up, quarantining the re- you know the refuse quote unquote of society. Okay. But when you look at um, incarceration rates, they disproportionately affect communities of color, people of color, communities mm-hmm. of color, especially men of color. But, you know, in Canada here, I, I believe the fastest growing incarcerated population is indigenous women. And when you actually look at, you know, the statistics of who commits crimes, you see people of color getting way harsher sentences for things, you know, like minor drug offenses. Right. You know, we grew up in the, in the primarily white suburbs. That's the kind of shit that kids we went to school with would get, like, a little slap on the wrist. Yeah, yeah. And a warning, don't do it again. Yeah. Whereas that could get someone, like, 10 years in prison. If- well, I've lost count of how many times, like, at a house party or something. Or, you know, just, like, I'd hear stories from friends secondhand where the cops would show up to, to like, a noise complaint. And, you mm-hmm. know, they could smell weed. They'd see yeah. people underage drinking. And since that's not why they were there, they didn't really give a shit. Right, yeah, or I remember having friends saying, again, secondhand stories where, you know, back when weed was still illegal, kid, their friend, their teenage friends smoking it in public and a cop rolling up and then just being like, oh, haha, I did that too as a teen, it's fine, oh but God. they were all white, right? So it's way different story when you're already looking to, for an excuse to you're criminalize. For an excuse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Although, hold on, mm-hmm. isn't it funny how does it is it just me or does it feel weird to hear the phrase back when weed was illegal i know because that was literally less than a whole calendar month ago yeah like that's uh <laughs> i know i i still i was saying the other day i keep forgetting that it's legal because 
people aren't talking about it constantly anymore. So this episode is actually episode 420, given how much we're talking about week, apparently. <laughs> yes, okay. That's Probably good. assume we're in some kind of drug den here, rather than my, uh, well, actually, no, this basement kind of looks like a drug den, but does, that's yeah, more just because I don't clean up very it well. It smells dank, but in like a, like a damp cave way, not in a dank weed way. <laughs> yeah. It's like the bad kind of dank. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked completely. Yeah, we're so with the the history of the prison and the penitentiary, you'll notice you'll notice that name used to be called a penitentiary. The idea was a criminal or a person who had done something bad would go there to do penance, right? And they would come out and they would be restored and reintegrated. Yeah. But people very quickly realize that it does not work that way. Prison is more likely to create hardened criminals and disenfranchise people because you see all this stuff now where. They come out and they, you know, people can't get jobs. It's the phrase career can... criminal. Yeah, too, career, yeah It's like that, exactly. what can you do when you or get out? In, you can be a criminal. Yep. And even we've been watching, you know, rewatching Criminal Minds. And there's multiple times where they refer to prison as Crime U and Crime University because... It's funny when the, the cop show, the, <laughs> yeah, the Fed show says that. Even recognize that prisons don't work for yeah. the most part. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say 100% because I would say they're, they're the Ted Bundys of the world and stuff. Yeah, we probably don't want them out in society. Yeah. yeah, we're not proposing solutions. Yeah, I don't I don't have I don't pr- propose to or I don't claim to have, you know, yeah. perfect utopian solutions or anything. But Why to, not? just I know, right? <laughs> What's wrong with me? Get Elon Musk on the phone, he'll know. Mm. Yeah, so the idea is that you can house all of the they, or it serves an alternate function now is it houses a lot of the the societal refuse that we don't want to look at, we don't want to encounter, we don't want to deal with. And it also Especially in, um, I don't know what it's like here, but I know in the States with the private prison system, it serves as a very cheap, like mm. with the, you know, the, the fires going on in California right now, you have, you have people who are incarcerated fighting fires for like a couple of dollars a day. Right. And when they're upon release, they they won't be able to work as firefighters. Yeah. Because they're they have a criminal record. They'd be like, my guys, though, we've got work experience. Yeah, we have work experience saving your lives, but because you know, it's always when they want jobs, they always say they need experience. But mm-hmm. apparently, this is where it doesn't apply. Yeah, but that's that's one of the sources of of really cheap labor that mm-hmm. is obviously beneficial to the profit motive. That you know, the idea is to cut costs where possible and make as much money as possible. Well, that's one way to do it at home and keep jobs in North America without exporting them abroad. So I'm curious how the, yeah, the purge would be able to work given the presence of the prison industrial complex and how profitable this is. I imagine the prison, uh, that that industry, they would have to move into more purge. Yeah, we'd have the purge industrial complex. (laughs) Of course, you know, that, that's a great, because, you know, society is full of these contradictions that if you pull the thread, they just come apart. But that's great where... The purge is designed to make it's like oh if we allow people one night a year then crime will lessen every year but then if that doesn't impact the prison industrial complex that completely disproves the purge is working but if the yeah. purge works then the prisons shouldn't yeah be so a you, thing. you don't really see that. prison disgusters talked about in the yeah purge. so I'm curious where, at what point in society they're at they're like, all I, they're all new founding fathers they, yeah that's true because I, I just think of like. You know, the the title of Angela Davis's book is Are Prisons Obsolete? It's like, well, under the purge, I guess they are. Because they, they mention um, at some point, I think maybe it's in the second movie, how they, they're just getting rid of, just disappearing and killing these people because they don't want to have to pay the into the social security net as far as, like, food stamps or housing or right. anything like that. And 
I've seen a lot of statistics that go around frequently about how it costs way more to incarcerate a person than it does to give a bed to a homeless person and give them food. Right. And so it makes sense that, yeah, this, this idea that they're, they're cutting corners everywhere, they probably would find some way to cut out the prison system, for, or at least the extent to which it exists today. Right. So, but they, they don't go into that, so I'm, I'm curious if, they, if at any point in the franchise they, they will address that, or yeah. if they intend to. They pro- maybe not, it's, it's not crucial, it's just, I'm curious. <laughs> and what does that mean for incarcerated people? Like, on, on if all crime is legal, does that mean that they can just, like, open the cells and walk out? It's like, you can't stop me. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, that's, it, it, it's one of the things where it's like, God, this is the point where I guess it's like, guys, it's just a movie. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to think that hard. But um, we are going to think that hard. Yes. So the TV show is a relatively new mm-hmm. thing, having just wrapped up last week. Yep. Your thoughts? My thoughts. Um, well, first of all, thank you so much for giving us more Fiona Dorf content. Knew that was coming. <laughs> but yes, thank you. Yes, thank blessed be the new to the new founding fathers and America and Nation Reborn for giving us. I'm about to switch into the Lord's Prayer. Thank you. Give us our daily bread. Our, <laughs> our daily Fiona Dora content. Yeah, we got. We need something while we wait for the next Chucky movie. Exactly. Exactly. And by next Chucky movie, I mean next Chucky movie, not not that remake that shall, shall oh, not be Oh God, made. no, no. I mean, I mean, whatever happens after Cult of Chucky. Yes. Anyway, one of the because I, I saw I watched an interview with her. I think it was from like Comic Con or something. It was talking about the Purge and the character she was going to be playing and, you know, giving a couple little hints about the, what the character does and the trajectory and everything. Our good leader. Our good leader. And, um, she mentioned that the character was originally written as a man and I guess they were initially only casting men, but then last minute they opened up the castings to women. And so she, she applied. She auditioned. She auditioned and got, and got cast within like, I don't know, 48 hours or something. So for all of those out there who are concerned that they, don't know how to write or portray compelling female characters. What we have learned from this experience is that there are two easy steps to do so. <laughs> First, you write a male character or a character that's intended to be a man, and then step two, hire Fiona Dorf to play them. Yes, and you're good. Well, that is a that's just going back to the great standby of uh, Ellen Ripley. Mm-hmm. Original alien, originally, uh, I believe, an all-male cast. At the oh, very least, Ripley yeah. was supposed to be male. Right. And then they flipped it, and that was sci-fi horror history. Yeah, made right there. And not just because of the casting. Like, the whole thing is fucking slaps, but, like, yeah. that's just an... That's like but the cherry that, on top. <laughs> I would say it's more than the cherry on top. That is the pit of it. That is well, the I guess the, 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 the representation, I guess, would be the cherry on top. But the whole yeah. shebang is, like, the yeah. best thing ever. But yes, um, in all seriousness, the Purge TV show. Yes. <laughs> yes. Beyond our uh, gay-ass crushes. Let's see. Um, what were your thoughts on it? I liked it overall. It was uh, entertaining. It was it was fun. It felt very fitting with the uh, in line with the movies. And honestly, the TV show seems like a good format for mm-hmm. it. So even if... Because uh, what, what was... There's some news recently saying that the next Purge movie would be the last one. Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but the, the TV show also got renewed. But that's just it. It's just season, like if that so. is the last Purge movie, and they kept focus on their TV show, that yeah. would work really well. Because yeah, it, the, the movies, I love the movies, but mm-hmm. uh, it's just the article that was talking about the movie, and this happened before the show got renewed. It made it sound like the last movie would end the franchise. So, oh, okay. 
because it sounds yeah, sound like the creator was like, I have a great idea for how to wrap up the franchise. Yeah, because the show, it's the format of it is very fitting. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, the Purge movies always have those, well, it's like threads of a bunch of different stories, but then they all have to come together because you've, you're working with a 90 to 120 minute movie. Yeah, whereas with the TV show, we got 10 whole, so well, you actually, practically 10 hours. So the threads do come together in a way that's compelling and well-written, mm-hmm. but you can actually sit with these different storylines. They don't have exactly. to they don't have to merge into one common thread like within an hour yeah. or whatever. yeah. Exactly. Because it's almost like in the movies all these different characters get pulled into this one plot strand whereas mm-hmm. we get all these plot strands that get pulled together around yeah. uh, the concept of the purge. Exactly. And uh, it it just strikes me as a great format yeah, for telling I, that kind of a story. Agreed. I liked it a lot. Like the Purge 1, the very first Purge movie that came out, it's a fairly insular story in that it, mm-hmm. the focus is on this family at home, so it really works in that movie sense. For sure. And, like, the movies work. Yeah, but yeah, no, it doesn't feel like it, like, forced, like, oh, how did all of these people end up yeah. together? Like, it's... But yeah. you, you <laughs> notice where the inspiration to do a series out of it, you can see where, where that impetus comes from. Yeah. No, it seems like a very like, natural progression, like, yeah, a, a great way to sh- explore that universe further and the kind of people caught up within it. I think I was talking to you about how, with the TV show, I think it does a really great job of showing, again, like, the whole series about just this idea of power and how it functions in contemporary society, and you especially see that in the characters, what is it, Jenna and, like, Rick? I think the, the ones who go to the party, mm-hmm. her, who go to take the devil's money, as they mm-hmm. say, for their... Because, you know, they, they're they a couple of, you know, yuppie kids who want to go take the one of the founding fa- new founding fathers fundraiser. This like, guy who's, who's, like, richer than God and is set up as a pretty evil, terrible, reprehensible person. And they want to go... They go to his purge party because they are going to make an investment deal. They, it, it's, it's sort of like the character, the family from the first movie, but you see the even greater, inter- like, in their communications with one another, they're this rejection of the purge, and I hate this holiday, it's, mm-hmm. it's horrible, but we're happy to go do business with the devil. They'll use their waspiness to play ball. Exactly, and this sort of idea of transforming the system from the inside by taking the devil's money, but putting it towards char- charity-type mm-hmm. projects and affordable housing and stuff. And just the moral, I don't even want to say ambiguity necessarily, but in, in their case, it, it is very ambiguous for them. Yeah. For Jenna especially, I think. But just that, yeah, that complicity that, for I don't know, for them it seems more like a choice, but you see it with some of the other ones where that complicity is, is required to function and to survive. Right. Like, I, I think you see that a lot with Jane, where... You know, she's the first of her family to go to university. Yeah. She she was a like she is actually you know the closest example you're going to see to someone who like pulled themselves up from their bootstraps and bettered their yeah. life and stuff. As a, you know, she came from essentially nothing and from a really disenfranchised position, and she was able to be like upwardly mobile and everything with her her skills and her and luck. I guess it's a combination there, but and yeah, you you see how she's sort of implicated in this as far as, like, having to work on Purge Night for a boss who mm-hmm. 
is having we find like, out is having a, a fucking like yeah fucking exactly things. just an absolutely reprehensible piece of shit and even though when we recognize like oh i don't agree with this but i'm implicated in it and to what extent is my silence and going along with the complicity yeah yeah i think it, it kind of makes forces us to confront that from a number of different perspectives which is important because you know a lot of times we, we don't like to look at it that way but i think it's really important that we do for sure for sure mm-hmm. we want to see like in so many things like in the purge like or anything it's, you want to see like oh how how would i be it's a lot easier to identify with i guess the victims and the right. the, the small guys than it is with the the bad guys but in what ways um might we not want to acknowledge how we can be like the bad guys right because and it but I, I don't know how to exactly differentiate that from you know the idea behind the purge is that we all have this this murderous impulse inside of us that needs to be released and you see all of these stories like i remember reading lord of the flies and being told like yeah this is a story about human nature <laughs> I know, right? A story about a bunch of, like, white British schoolboys is... Yeah, that represents human nature to a T. Um, but yeah, this idea that under the circumstances, we're all evil. And I think the Purge, especially the ones that show the more communities and the groups of people that come together show that, no, under, under absolutely, you know, where laws are suspended for the most part and stuff, not everybody becomes an well, evil murdering look, machine. Look who we're rooting for and look mm-hmm. who, who ultimately wins in that sort of uh, cinematic sense yeah exactly it's the people that put aside their differences come together work together for mutual survival and yeah don't want to take part in the supposed cleansing violence so in a way it's yeah it's rejecting that that radical individualism and blood you know this idea that humans are inherently evil and bloodthirsty but it's also recognizing that we can be unwitting accomplices in systems of power. For sure. Which is, again, I think it's so freaking smart. I love it. Yeah. Well, one problem here is that we're talking about the purge mm-hmm. on this show. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we've said the word gay once, once except when we brought up Fiona Dorf and our feelings. And our, yeah. Um, <laughs> so own. it would be very glaring omission not to talk about the relationship that's at work in the Purge TV series. Oh, yeah. The uh, three-way climax. That's right. Exactly. Except not. Well, yes, Miss Lila <laughs> and uh, Jenna. What did you think about that as far as uh, core representation goes? I... LGBT representation. Yeah. Um... For the most, I'll say for the most part, I liked it. Yeah. I um, guess I'll say I didn't, you know, didn't like, and only because of the context in which it exists, this sort of idea of this, like, predatory lesbian that's going to steal steal, steal you. your wife. Because as much as it's like, yeah, whatever, like, I love predatory lesbians. <laughs> it's like, wow, this is a terrible depiction. They're not like this, but also, okay. Step on me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I love predatory lesbians. But, yeah, in in the context in which that is such a frequent representation... Yeah, in the social context yeah, of it. In, not in not the, so it, good. Yeah, and the, and the media con- the broader media context for, like, how long has that trope existed? Mm-hmm. It's like, I... They, eh, I don't... But, existed longer than yeah. any kind of acceptance of lesbianism yeah. has, that's totally, for sure. Totally, totally. 
Um, but I also like that it showed the complexity of that with like from Jenna's perspective where uh-huh. you know she she loves her husband, she wants to be with him and everything, but how complicated it was for her as well, you know, I not that she ever identifies herself, but I'd say this is bi- some bisexual representation. Yeah. Um and She's like, oh, I love my husband, and we want to start a family, but also that nine-hour orgasm. Like, <laughs> the fuck do but I yeah, do? But yeah, it, it kind of, um, not that they went into enough detail about it, but I guess from what I have and where I fill in the blanks, you get sort of those questions of that compulsory heterosexuality and where she's, she kind of like, tastes the grass on the other side of it from, from, where, from, her, from where she finds herself and is like, oh shit, it's like, it's pretty good over there. <laughs> And, and you see Lila... Some good eating over here. Some good eating over here, yeah. And you see Lila is telling her, like, I will raise this baby with you. Like, I, we can have everything together. But, yeah, you see that, that there's a real dilemma there for Jennifer, a good part of this, yeah. this season. Because, well, yeah, I, I read it as that sort of, you know, this is what, this is what I signed on for right. and what I agreed to, but is this what I want? Yeah. Am I happy... Am I doing this because this is 100% what I want to do, or am I sticking with this because it's what I'm supposed to do? Right. Yeah, so I like that I like that they took the time, the time to show that complexity there and to show the, that it wasn't just, like, cut and dry, like, oh, she... Lila turned her gay, and now she's leaving her husband for the predatory lesbian or, what, you know, whatever bullshit. Which like. <laughs> is so funny because I would be like, oh, wow, what a tired stereotype while also just, like, in my heart of hearts, you can go team. Yeah. I will go down with the ship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. You know, I really hope in a future uh, Purge installment we get, like, a roving gang of, like, like, we had the, the gang of uh, the women defenders, the matron saints. That was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So when are we going to get, like, the sisters of Solanus or, yes. like, a, a bear gang just totally. running the yeah, streets, that would be you know? Yeah, have the, uh... Like, okay, so... Was the the uh, pink, pa- pink Panthers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where are they? The, the Pink Panthers. That's a cartoon. <laughs> no, <laughs> Peter who, Sellers who, who, But you do... The Pink who, Angels? No, that's an exploitation movie. Yeah. Because I, I know, I was, I was like... The Lavender like, Menace. We'll just go with the Lavender okay. Menace. Okay, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. That, like, rove of, like, the, the, the yeah, collective the, of, like, gay guys that would go around beating the fuck out of homophobes Yeah, like, they all shit. learned kung fu. This is real. They all yeah. learned kung fu, and they went around in a panel van beating the shit out of homophobes with, like, pool cues and stuff, and I'm pretty sure it was, like, a reverend that ran their yeah, club. Yeah, like, it was, the coolest thing ever. Uh, I want to say San Fran in the 70s, Pro- but... Yeah, probably. Oh, my goodness. But can you imagine that, but in Purge times? Like, oh, so good. sick. So, uh, Blumhouse, also get at John Waters to do the yes. next season of The Purge. <laughs> that is The Purge that we want to see. Yes. So we should loop back to The Matron yes, Saints since we didn't. Yes. Um, yeah, one of the things I thought was really timely was you have a little bit of the gender-based violence addressed in, like, the second movie when that landlord comes in. Right. Who, who the, um, the mom... Was re- you know rejecting We're him earlier, yeah. and he's back. And he's like, I'm gonna, t- you know, I'm gonna do whatever I want to, and then I'm gonna kill you. And this sort of like, this need to recuperate his like masculinity, yeah, his his, his toxic violent, you know, again, and it's his, it's his, his right as an American exactly, during the purge to be to, able to recuperate this exactly to yeah, get, it like save puts it in the public, and, puts it in the forefront as yeah, being okay rather exactly. than having to like. So, recode it. Yeah, you get a little bit of that sort of that, that gender-based violence that you would expect 
but the TV show does a great job of really highlighting that without being exploitative about it. Yep. Um, because I was talking to somebody who she she can't really do horror movies, but likes to right. like be in the know about. She's like, I like to like read about them and know yeah. what's going on, but she's like, but I can't watch them. Yeah. I'm like, okay, fair enough. There's some good stories in there. Not fair she, enough. Join us. I know. I know. But she made some. She made a comment about. She's like, oh, and then she's like, I keep. I see, she saw a movie in theaters, and there was the t- there was an ad for the the TV series for The Purge. So she's saying, you know, I she's interested in some horror, but she's like, yeah, you know, the the fucking Purge. Like I had that. Ugh. And I was like, dude, I love The Purge. Like already to just like, you know, defend. I am defending. I'm defending The Purge's honor. And but then when she explained why she had a bad impression of it was, you know, she has worked a lot with like sexual assault survivors and stuff in like mental health care. And she figured that the purge was, it it would be a great opportunity to do that sort of really exploitative torture porn kind of style. And just to watch women be brutalized. Right. And because, you know, like with domestic violence rates, with Mm -hmm. sexual assault rates, with all of these things, of course that would skyrocket on purge night. But one thing that I liked was with this, this introduction of these matron saint kind of gang going around and stepping in and rescuing women from these kinds of situations, they explicitly mention in, in their little spiel about how, you know, domestic violence goes up however much, however many percentage points on purge nights for every man that dies, X number of women are killed, mm-hmm. mostly by, you know, intimate partners and things. So I, I like that they addressed that and they brought in that realism, but they didn't, they, they weren't exploitative about it and they didn't depict it in a gratuitous Mm-hmm. way that made it feel like let's just gaze at these women being brutalized for 10 hours because the one scene that we really get that is mm-hmm. in uh jane's boss's basement den you get a little he... bit in that in the alley for at first with jane where she that guy is oh like... I, I meant more the tackles but in the basement we see that that is literally a setup where it's like mm-hmm. yeah all these men can come and they can like Google that and touch Google and women. these women that they're and, just captive. And this idea that they're doing them a favor because they're not raping them. It's like, well, it's yeah. just some touching over the clothes. You'll be fine. Yeah. And, oh, so fucking gross. But Yeah. But that's just ugh. it. We see <laughs> but yes. that kind of what could be the gratuitousness of the show if they took that route or mm-hmm. the movies. We see that personified in the show as, yeah. like, this is a really gross thing. But we, we have, like, douche chills as we're watching it. Yeah. Like, this is disgusting. I hope these guys get fucking obliterated yeah. by this gang of women. Like, it's very much, like, yeah, they're embodying this So it's like a self-reflection. Yeah, yeah, they're embodying this entitlement to women and their bodies and their, like, just dehumanization. But we as an audience aren't gazing voyeuristic. Well, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. the show seems to be commenting yes, on that it doesn't... In a very critical It doesn't way. care to be doing that. Exactly. Which which I think is great, because, you know, it's not that I don't think that violence like that should be portrayed, because it happens every day, all the time. It absolutely should be represented, but you have to represent it with care in a way that doesn't make it go, oh, this is, like, this is kind of fun to watch. It's like, no, this is horrific, and if we're going to be talking about it it should be portrayed as such. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, we should probably wrap this talk up on The Purge. Um, i got to imagine if you're listening to this and you're a horror fan who enjoys horror now, you've probably got opinions on The Purge. We would love to hear them. Yeah. I love talking about The Purge and politics and... 
if you couldn't tell. <laughs> so, no, no, that, that escaped me. Yeah, yeah, no, I just, uh, it's, a, it's a pastime I enjoy. So um, you should uh, get at us on our Facebook page, on Insta, or on Twitter. Yep. You can um, find us on there. We're still kind of playing around with social media a mm-hmm. little bit, trying to figure out what works and what doesn't with our accounts, but we're hoping to have it ironed out soon. Yes. But, yeah, if you hit us up, we'll, we'll reply. Yeah. We'll talk to you. Especially about the purge. For sure. Alright, cool. So I guess uh, let's get to the recommendations. Yeah. I believe it's your turn to go first. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, I think I am going to go, since we're sort of on the theme of this, uh, society has gone to shambles and we need to do something about it. Mm-hmm. We're going to go with Battle Royale. Classic. Yep, and this, yeah, along with this theme of um, we need to redeem ourselves through horrible, brutal violence. Yeah. And, yeah, that's, uh... Well, it'll be great to rewatch it. It's been a few years. It has, yeah, and I think I've only seen it the one time, so... Cool. I'll I'll rewatch it with you. I'm excited. Well, then, even just flipping off of your recommendation, I uh, feel like a similarly fun one that gets overlooked a lot is a flick called Series 7, The Contender. Mm. It is a sort of indie film version of the Hunger Games kind of premise, the running man sort of thing, where... We're watching the season finale of a fictional reality TV show, and it's where people are hunting each other for sports, but they're being filmed, and it's done with the uh, reality show announcer, and it's done with the tad bumpers. It's very stylized, and it's really darkly comedic. It's a lot of fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I've only seen it a couple times, but it's been a while. I know you haven't seen it, so this will be a good one to visit. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, I have that... Reality snuff television. Woo, lads. <laughs> All right, cool. So, uh... Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. If you do have a minute, and you're listening to this on a platform that allows you to rate the oh, uh, yeah. podcast, uh, it would be real sick if you did that, because that actually gets any level of notice to, towards our podcast. So, I know you can do that on iTunes. I'm a little technologically illiterate in some regards. We'll figure it out. But uh, if, you know, if that's something you could do on Stitcher or whatever other apps you're using to listen to this, uh, go for it. Much appreciated. All right. So I guess that's it. Mm -hmm. So you should probably take it easy and, you know, keep it sleazy. Oh, yeah.